0: Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Lipman. I am joined, as always, by Emily Cannell and Dan Popone. I have questions for each of you. My first question is for Emily. You were at a game day thing today um, watching the Eagles. What is your favorite game day snack?
1: Oh, so this is what I brought to the tailgate. It wasn't, it was like at a house, but the party today. I am a huge, huge fan of, French onion dip for chips, like just the kind you buy at the store, like the hell of a good brand or the Lay's brand, but hell of a good is better. Like the French onion dip with the Ruffles chips. That is my favorite thing to eat. And I Mm. ate a lot of it today. So that's my, that's my choice. Have you ever made your own? No, but I should try.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you'd do great. Dan question for you. What do you do to keep your hair so nice and fluffy and and beautiful? What do you do? What's your regimen?
2: Well, thanks, Steve. Very, ni- you very nice. You got um, I, I don't know. I just I shower. I don't know. I have I that have kind of poofy hair. It's just like that.
0: Have you heard of people who say like never wash your hair, never put shampoo in your hair, and don't shower? I wash my either. hair like, every what's day. What's going on? Me too. It sounds gross. Emily, I wash do you have any my ideas? hair once a week. No, yes, I do know that for women, it, they wash it less frequently, and there's something with that. But I think what it's about just the- people
2: with longer hair, not just, like, because I think right. it's, like, because women usually have longer hair, like, on average, and it's, like, doesn't it, like, it's, like, bad for it if you wash it too many times, and, like, since it's, isn't it, like, since it's longer, and then you wash it more before you cut that piece of it, and it just gets gross? That's my I- understanding from Andrea.
1: I'm not really sure, but I just have, like, really thick, curly hair that I- doesn't get, like, greasy or gross very easily Mm -hmm. um so i just tend to not wash it until it looks gross and i because i think you're it's i think like washing it a lot like strips it of its natural oils i think is something that's what you're supposed to not do so i'm like if it looks fine i mean i wear it in a bun every day of my life so if it doesn't look disgusting i just ride with it if i peloton i'll wash it but i haven't been doing that very often
0: subtle flex that you have a peloton all right Um, We are moving on here. That was, Uh, that was. It was, it was good. I like Uh, it. uh, Stay tuned later for the story of what happened when Emily and Jordy went to bark in the park at the Phillies game. So that's what we call in the biz, a tease. We (laughs) need to talk about Ben Simmons. Uh, Basically, nothing has happened. And, you know, if you're at home listening to this thinking, boy, I wish they would shut the fuck up about this. So do we. (laughs) We don't want to talk about it either, but <laughs> we do this podcast now twice a week in the off-season, and this giant thing hasn't happened yet.
1: I, <laughs> I love that we went to two times a week in the off-season when nothing yeah. is happening. We're like, we need more episodes.
2: Yeah. Let's we go. Like, yeah, We need to talk about Ben Simmons. Basically, nothing has happened is the most our podcast thing that has ever been said. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, listen, we're happy that you're here with us. Uh, the first thing that uh, that we'll talk about is uh, the first of two Brian Windhorst, and li- listen to us aggregating him, but the first of two Brian Windhorst... Him. No, no, no. The first of two Brian Windhorst things. The first was that he was on ESPN, and uh, he said one of the messages then has sent back towards Philly is that it's not his job to fix his trade value. Now, I understand that. That is certainly true. It's never any player's job to, like, hope that fixers or, or the team that's trading them get a better pick or like get a better package for them. They don't give a shit about any of that, but in a way he's saying it's not Ben's job to be good and be worth a lot of things in a trade. So I thought that was like a funny, funny thing that happened. Dan, what do you have to say about that?
2: Yeah. Like I kind of, like, I kind of understand in some way where like sure. Ben's going to be traded. Obviously he's going to root for, Maybe not. So I don't know. There could be some pride aspect to it where it's like, I hope they want to give up a lot to get me. Like, I hope my value is high and I'm mm-hmm. respected respect around the league. But I think from like a strategic standpoint, you want the team you're going to, to spend less. So they like have right. more to put around you and, and it's just a good deal for your new organization. And I guess a bad one for the one that you hate and are leaving. Um, but that said, it definitely... <laughs> Like anything that anything that is said right now is is just not yeah. going to come off well. Like, Unwinnable. Yeah. It, but and and I understand that they're like playing some game with you know the Sixers and trying to get them to move him and like I understand all that. But like just from from looking at it, like if you're a fan who just watched this implosion and you hear something like that, like I I can see why it's annoying. Like I'm not annoyed by it because I like. I'm annoyed by other things and that's just like way too far down and I, I don't really care. And I somewhat understand what they mean. I also think there's like an off court aspect to it, which is like the Sixers don't want to trade Ben until his value is higher. So like I, maybe he doesn't even have to play to raise it, but just like, they don't want they, whatever the market is now, they clearly want more mm-hmm. and you have like, the 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 leaks coming, which are like, you know, Ben won't play, this and that, which are, you know, I don't know that you, you can argue about whether that's affecting his trade value. The fact that he's not showing up is definitely lowering it. Um, if he doesn't show up. So, like in that sense, it kind of literally is his job to show up, and that's not raising his like that's lowering his trade value. So in that sense in a roundabout way, it kind of is his job literally to raise his value from where it is because by not doing his job, if
0: that's uh, right, reporting
2: things. So that's, that's the other side of it, but I'm just like, whatever.
0: I think uh, I, uh, first of all, the thing that you said about like a player not wanting to like eviscerate the team that he's going to not wanting them to trade a million things so that when they get there, there's nothing. That's like famously, I think the mellow thing where Everybody knew he wanted to go to New York, but New York still had to trade everything for him at the deadline prior to him being a free agent So when he went there, they, they had like gutted the team. Um, And what else had you said that I thought about? Who knows? It's gone. Emily, what do you think about this?
1: Um, I agree with everything that you guys said. And I think just like based on the things we've heard from Ben, like my first instinct is him being like, it's not my job to make me be better. (laughs) <laughs> like, that's just like what it sounds like. I know. Me. And
2: yeah.
1: I, that is just his MO. It's what we've been talking about in circles for months now, but like, I can't stop. Like I was driving home tonight and I was at a red light and I looked at Jordy, and I said, Ben Simmons is a loser. And that's just, it just pops into my head randomly throughout the day. And I feel the need yeah. to say it out loud because he doesn't have any desire I mean, I don't know him. I'm just speaking, but like, it doesn't seem to me that he has any desire to be great. He has the God given whatever you believe in, given ability and great things that we are not blessed to have the height and the athleticism. And he just doesn't seem to care enough to make the best out of it. And it's extremely frustrating and he doesn't see anything wrong with that. And I would like him to be gone
0: um i remembered what i was gonna say thank god what how about how much this is about to add um what was i gonna say the you um, forget <laughs> again
2: oh my god oh, oh, oh,
0: oh. the leaks okay so yeah then you talked about uh his value possibly going down with a holdout like for me when they went public with the report that keith had about like he's not coming and like all of the ones that have come out since it's just like They just want him out of Philadelphia. Like, they are literally, they don't care. Like, whatever it it takes, like, get him off the team. He's never going to play for them again. And, like, I don't think they care about the value of it. And I think that they are going to make this uglier and uglier, especially as training camp gets close, uh, which is in a few weeks now. So I just think that it's just, it's only going to get worse from here. And uh, I certainly don't think he's going to back down and, and show up. Um, one of the reports from last week, uh Derek Bodner had uh, from The Athletic had listed Cleveland as like a dark horse potential team. Um, Kevin O'Connor backed that up, and then Mark Stein. Um, he is a sub stack. Uh he wrote also that um that uh Cleveland is interested and they're trying to remain in the fray to get them. And a reporter from Cleveland named Evan Damarell. Had a report that Ben would be open to playing Cleveland because he'd be the best player. Awesome. Um, and uh, loser he mentality. Liked, he likes Darius Garland. They're both clutch guys. Um, what do we think about Cleveland as a potential suitor? I wrote about it last week for Liberty Ballers. Colin Sexton is good and he's young, but they would need, I think, a lot of like draft assets probably to make that work. And to make the money work, you would need either Ricky Rubio. Or Kevin Love, who I'm sure the pictures wouldn't take on his contract. Emily, what do you think about uh, Cleveland as a as an option for Ben?
1: Um, I mean, I'm he can go to Cleveland and just be in there because I think he would hate it there, and I think that would be funny. Um, but I think, and going off of the podcast that you guys did on Wednesday, I think that that's just like one of another team. I think it's going to have to be a three team situation. I don't know that it's going to be like a Cleveland and. And Philly thing, so right. however it shakes out is fine. But if Cleveland, I mean, if Ben wants to go hang out in the Midwest in Cleveland, sure, go ahead. No offense Dan, to Cleveland,
0: but yeah. What about you?
2: Yeah,
1: I mean,
2: as a as a trade spot, I I kind of agree. They have some interesting stuff. I I, I don't disagree that there might need to be a third team. I, I just it's weird. I it's weird because I mean, and we just talked to John Krasinski about this. The Sixers, obviously, and everyone knows this, want to trade for star. There is not a star available. And the options seem to be trade Ben now or hold him and risk, you know, the mess that could be to wait until a star is available. Um, I think, you know, Cleveland is a spot that makes sense for something we've talked about a lot, which is get the assets you can now get guys who will play for your team now. I mean, if Ben is literally holding out, it's even better in the short term to get these guys. It would have to be a three team deal. If you're trading Ben for like Lillard anyway, because Portland's going to be in rebuild mode, make sure Portland likes Sexton and Cleveland and go get that. And Sexton can play in the meantime. And you're still in position to get that star. I just, there's, to me, there's no reason in the short term or long-term to just have Ben sitting around. So sure. Cleveland is interesting. And if, if it's Sexton and picks and if the right deal is there and yeah, do it. Why not?
0: Yeah. Um, The next thing that happened is on our network on Liberty Ballers, uh, Jazz Kang had uh, Brian Windhorst on his show and they talked about the state of the Ben stuff. I wanted to just talk about the takeaways that we had from that. Um, uh, Oh, Emily, we can loop this in with what you had mentioned uh, in the podcast. Windhorse, uh Jazz asked Brian about um Doc's comments from the end of the year about and and Brian talked about, you know, Doc Rivers all the lengths that he went to defend Ben in the media, which we've talked about a hundred times. And um uh Doc, of course, after the year said uh, they asked him if he can be the point guard and championship team. Uh and Doc said, I don't know the answer to that right now. Uh, Doc, I do. That's neither here nor there. Um uh, then Winhorst said that uh, basically that had nothing that Doc saying that a lot of people thought that that like depressed Ben's value in some way. That Doc saying something like that publicly affected his value in any way. And Winhorst said that's not the case. Winhorst said that his value didn't change whatsoever with what Doc said. Um, he also, Winhorst also said in this podcast that uh, he thinks a big part of this is that Ben never wants to play in front of Philadelphia fans again. Um, But Emily, you had something that I think you wanted to mention. So give me your takeaway on the winner stuff with jazz and, um, and what you have to say about doc's quote at the end of the year.
1: Well, just in regard to, to doc's quote, and I agree. I never, not that I have insider knowledge, but I never thought that the quotes that doc said were something that was affecting Ben's value. If anything, I think that Ben's reaction to those quotes is what's affecting Ben's value, but that's not Ben's problem to handle it <laughs> the correct way. So that is what it is. But I just think that when I heard those quotes like after game seven, I was miserable. Um and I like, we consumed. were
0: talking when they came out. Yeah, we were doing the podcast. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I was like, I wasn't like Ben out of shape about it. Like granted I was mad at Ben too, but I didn't think it was that bad. Like he didn't say like Ben is the worst player ever. Also like there's an argument to be made that Ben Simmons is not a point guard, period so like once again like i mean we're starting in that in those games like furcon who's a guard seth who's a guard ben who's a point guard and then we have one forward and one center like that's not really like how a basketball lineup is made you can go on about positionless basketball but like there's an argument to be made that ben simmons isn't a point guard um and now i feel like the narrative has really shifted to like doc rivers has said this terrible thing about ben simmons that That is Ben is so hurt by, and I think Keith was on the radio after his report came out saying, like, Ben is upset that no one reprimanded Doc for saying that.
0: I have that quote. Doc is a grown
1: up man who is the coach of a basketball team, and he does not need to apologize to Ben Simmons for saying something a little harsh in the media. Like, I'm sorry, I've heard. Coaches say a lot harsher things about the players on their team and he doesn't need to be reprimanded by like what, like Elton brand is going to come in and be like, doc, you got to be nicer to Ben. Like, come on. That's, this is, it's, it was ridiculous over this, like one tiny baby quote. And it's become this whole thing that like doc is mean. And Ben is just like the victim in this situation. And I don't know, I don't know who's spinning this narrative, but even like when we talked to your own, he like kind of said stuff, like, you know, like doc said these things and he really like, like threw Ben under the bus. And I don't see, I don't see it that way. I think he was frustrated, you know, as any coach would be, especially a coach like Doc, who's lost a ton of game sevens. He thought maybe this was his time to get over the hump. And instead they lost to the Hawks. But I just think it's been like, the narrative has really flipped on it. I don't know who is doing the flipping. If it's, you know, Rich Paul in the background, or it's just the media trying to find something else to write about, but it's been really interesting to me how this like one quote has become this focal point when I don't even think it's that big of a deal.
0: I totally agree. Um, I think here, let me read. The Keith gave this quote to 97.5, the fanatic. There are teams that are interested in Ben Simmons. They just don't want to pay the steep price. Ben Simmons knows that. So they are saying, why should we help the 76ers out? when they feel like Doc Rivers said what he said, nobody apologized, and Doc was never reprimanded. Um, this is like, we've lost the, the reality on this quote. Like, clearly, I don't think it did anything to his value. Uh, Windhorse doesn't think that either. What it definitely did was piss off Ben. Like, that quote really, really got under his skin. Um, my guess is that maybe maybe Ben and his people are thinking like, wow, Like, after this series, he just completely flips and now thinks that I'm not a, like, I don't know. Now, the other angle to this is like, if you're Doc, just lie, just lie. Like, the season's over, you don't lose anything by just saying, yeah, he's a championship, he's a championship guy, he's great, I love him. Like, you don't lose anything, but I also think that we can also be adults and like, allow Doc to like, not even fully vent some frustration Obviously, I feel like we need to mention Doc was not very good in this series either. But like, it seemed like the most benign quote to be like called this like scarlet letter that is now following the franchise. like i think I think you're right that it it is way overrated in its like like the people used to say shit way, 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 way worse than this. And like, you know, this this would not crack like the top five hundred of like, <laughs> head coaches talking about their players. So yeah, I I don't, it clearly pissed off Ben. All of this is a means to an end to get him out of Philly, so I'm glad he said it. Uh, Dan, what do you think about uh, the doc quote at this point and uh, what Windhorse had to say to Jazz?
2: Yeah, I mean, so one thing that Windy kept kind of suggesting was that in some way, because Ben was being like scapegoated. Like Ben was like an easy scapegoat because of this pass that he made, and I just feel the need to say that that is like detached from reality because people were furious at Ben way before Game Seven. Early in the series, he didn't take a shot in the fourth quarter of I think Game Four, Five, Six, and Seven. So um, like this wasn't a Game Seven thing. He shot like thirty six percent from the foul line like he barely made a third of his foul shots he got taken off the court multiple times in that series because he couldn't make a foul shot he didn't want to look at the rim not just on that possession the whole series this is not scapegoating from one play where he's like the easy target here if you remember after game five which we were at and miserable about that morning you wake up to from the local beat writers you have kyle newbeck wrote Probably the biggest criticism of Ben that I can could remember to date up until Mm -hmm. and people have been you know critical of Ben, but this is you know, there was there was no, you know, yes, the team collapsed, but like it was these are local reporters who are watching the game who we respect, who talk about basketball, who we like to listen to and read talking about basketball, who are putting this on Ben games before that pass. And you have. You know, Bodner and Hoffman on on their Sixers Beat podcast doing the same thing. This is all predating that pass by a lot, by a lot of minutes in the basketball, in the in the series, in the in the basketball games in the series. I don't know. I'm really tired. It's late. in late. the basketball. <laughs> in the basketball, we record <laughs> late now. But I will say, you know, while Doc probably did piss off Ben, I just don't buy that there's like some on court reason that Ben wants out. I. He might be pissed at Doc as a person. I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, usage. I mean, he's he's open to going to 29 other teams. He's clearly not super concerned about fit or anything like that. And I do think it's true that – because we've talked about this a lot, right? Like, fans were supportive of Ben. Ben was missing those foul shots. He was getting cheered when he made one. Like, it was ridiculous. It was embarrassing. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. I also think he's disliked in the city. And I think those are separate things, right? Like, I think I'm a good example. I was there. I cheered when he made foul shots. I didn't boo him when he missed them until we blew the 26-point lead. And then I booed. I think I was very supportive of Ben. Everyone knows I don't really like Ben. So I think those are two different things that can both be true, which is that he was supported and he's not really liked. And I think at this point, you will still find people who like him but most of those people are on twitter and of just the average people who watch the sixers and don't send 50 tweets a day i think that ben is probably disliked by like 90% of sixers fans in and around the city if,
0: especially now after the trade demand is public yes.
2: if mm. you listen to local sports radio which you know i i i see comments from people who you know and and I understand it right like I get not liking local sports radio like whatever you don't have to like it but whether you like it or not it's huge here it just is a lot of people listen to it a lot of people like these people and agree with them this is a huge percentage of of local sports fans and they're representing how people feel they whether they mean it or not they're basically for a living talking about what they think people feel and you hear callers calling in they don't like that like you talk, have random conversations with people who will complain about Ben if you bring up the Sixers. He is not very well-liked here, especially now, especially after the trade request. And I I understand it. Like, he wants out. And I think that, like, Wynhorst Win, said it, you know, he's a big reason he wants out is because he doesn't want to play in front of those fans. I kind of get it. I don't think his reception would be super warm. So um, I that do would think nice. it would be a fucking – nightmare it would be no, an he, absolute nightmare if he yeah. even before the trade request he was going to be booed on the yeah. opening night on the home opener before he asked out he was going to be booed on opening night because that series was a disaster i think that this is in general a fan base that likes accountability um you could argue that he's not the only person who lacks accountability but we we said it you know early in the very early in the offseason, not even off season. Like there were still playoff games being played. We would we would joke oh, still no like end of season Instagram post from Ben, you know, you had the Tobias and MB, and we need to be better. You got that from everyone, nothing from Ben, right? Like I don't think there's any sense around here that Ben is I mean you heard Emily earlier. Like Emily, do you feel like Ben is like upset about how the series went in a way that his teammates are? Or do you feel like no. he is like upset at himself for how he played? I don't think no. that there's a sense around here from people who are following the team that he feels that way. And I don't
1: think that he thinks he did any anything wrong. I think that well, we he that he we he does everything he, he needs to do, and he doesn't need to get better. And that so, like everyone else, can fix things around him because he he's not the problem.
2: But the thing f- that so he like, feels, if you. Just growing up going to to games here and and rooting for these teams and listening to radio and talking to people for here like like all my friends are from here like you guys same same way right like when an athlete plays poorly people around here want them to say they're going to get better and then get better not say I'm actually really good at some other things and never change their game. That's just like that's like I feel like this, you know, the fan base gets labeled as like, oh, they like like, oh, they like, you know, hard no, like whatever. No, I think a big thing is like they just want people to like take accountability, to to show that putting work in something and to care, to care like we care. And I don't think it's just now. I think in general, there hasn't been a big sense that Ben really cares. And I'm not saying he doesn't care, like I don't know him. I'm not even I'm not trying to to say like I know what Ben is thinking. I I I don't. I'm just saying that he, according to Windhorse, wants out because he doesn't want to play in front of these fans. And a big reason that fans are super unhappy with him is that they feel, right or not, I think you could argue rightly, that he is not accountable and that he doesn't feel bad, that he doesn't seem to care about, you know, the like what's going on, the outcome. And, and I'm sure he does in some way that he doesn't show. I think he's very introverted and um, – I think in, in general is, you know, Winhorse said it, you know, with, with Doc's comments about him throughout the season, not at the end, just hy- randomly hyping up Ben for like 10 minutes for no reason. There's a sense that, you know, he didn't use the word ego, but he did use the word fragile. You know, mm-hmm. Winhorse basically saying that, you know, Doc knew that how fragile Ben was at the time, I think is almost an exact quote. Um, and so that kind of guy, even if he's kicking himself and saying, I need to make my foul shots, I need to be able to shoot, I need to get better. He's not going to say that publicly. And he maybe he's, you know, on the inside saying, you know, I I still did a lot, it's not getting talked about. That seems to be the kind of guy he is. You know, just, you know, reading off of his own words from Windhorse's comments, right? So I don't think that meshes super well with here. I think that that is that lack of outward accountability, that lack of I need to be better saying those words. I don't think that goes over very well here. I think it's a big reason that he and he is disliked, like, don't get it wrong. It is not 50-50 like Twitter might make you think. He is generally, generally, by most people, disliked, not on like a personal level, but as a player, he is disliked around here. Uh, that is just true. I mean, I've been, I haven't interviewed everyone in the city, but I know enough people.
1: You haven't. I know enough <laughs> people
2: that the percentage is very high. So that's just the truth. And I can't really blame Ben for wanting out, because I, I think that if you don't talk to people around here and listen to the radio and if you don't live around here, you kind of miss it because on the internet it does seem kind of split and it is not, it just isn't. And I can't really blame Ben for winning out for that.
1: Did you guys see the, uh, like the, all the Charles Barkley Shaq stuff this week too? Yeah. I mean, they're all basically saying what, what Dan just said. And I know you can say like, they do the whole like, well, when I was a player, blah, blah, blah thing. But like, it's a lot of like, this is a, a town that you can't, you know, you can't not work hard and come in and play and then go to LA in the summer and post pictures of your pool constantly and have people be like right. that's fine. That's what I want to see. You know, yeah, it's That's just... a big
2: part of the fan thing too. You know. It is. I mean, it just This isn't an opinion. This isn't an opinion of me saying Ben doesn't care, he's lazy. I'm not, This is not me. This is how in general the casual Sixers fan feels around here but, um, it, it, it's how he's talked about on in sports media and in, in the radio I and mean, the the sense that he's not doing the right work that he is not willing to go outside of his comfort zone has been written about extensively by local B writers right like these are not things that i'm conjecturing i'm not even saying i'm not even asserting them this is just factually how he is talked about and i understand why he wants out and i and again i get why he wants out i ref, i will not follow the narrative that he was not supported though Because he was cheered and cheered and cheered as he messed up. And every little success among all the mess ups throughout that series, he was cheered. And you can go back and you can watch the games, and he was. And so those are two different things. And I understand Ben Ben's angle to it, but it's not like we're just out to get him. Because he was he was beloved his rookie year. I I thought Ben was gonna be phenomenal. I was one of the people, you know, I was arguing with the Jazz fans about Mitchell. I was arguing with the Celtics fans about Tatum. We had Ben. Ben was going to be the best, right? No one, no one wanted this. Nobody wanted this. No one yeah. wanted to just, no one wanted to hate on the guy.
0: Okay. Um, the other narrative that I've seen coming out a little bit is like that this is recency bias because of one bad series. And I just would, first of all, I disagree with that. Um, but second of all, like, One bad series is a player, like, missing a bunch of shots. Like, sometimes, like, you're a great player who misses a ton of shots, and that happens. But, like, Paul George had a bad series. Right. Like, he was petrified. Like, I I don't mean to, like, uh, armchair psychologist, but, like, clearly did not want the basketball at all. And in a larger sense, he ran into the exact same issues that he does every single year. And for every single year since he was drafted. So none of this is new and none of it is really like left up to chance, like all of it, what else would be the outcome? That he becomes a good half court initiator in the playoffs against a team that matters. Like, you know, so I, I don't, I think that to say that it was like recency bias or reactionary because of one series is like not true when it really was the culmination and people talk about the past and like that play in and of itself, Uh, should have been two points. Instead, it was one point because he passed it to Thibault. Thibault missed the free throw. Um, But it certainly was a momentum issue in the arena, you know, while they're home. But also, like, it was indicative of this whole, this entire thing, you know? So, no, the pass itself, uh, if people are overrating that and and that play itself and its impact, like, I would say that that's wrong. But to use it as a metaphor for, like, what's been going on, I think that is totally fair. Well, um, Dan, you, you had a disappointment thing. Did you want to
2: do that? Yeah, we can. But real quick, I just want to say, like, what, yeah. what you just said, like, Ben averaged a career low in points assists and rebounds this year. Yeah. Ben has – Ben, in his career, has not scored well, especially in the second round of the playoffs. Right? Yeah, in the playoffs, especially in the second round of the playoffs. Right? There, there is an – st- I actually I, – I, I did a T-test. It is statistically significant. He is scoring less in the playoffs right? It is, um, it's just true. And I think that, you know, on one hand, it's easy to say, oh, well, he's young, lots of young players struggling in the playoffs at first, they figure it out. I think that this is different because he's, he's unique. He's, he's weird. His weaknesses are unique. And it's not like he's just kind of struggling or like the guy who's missing shots, like you said, he has been just getting stopped, like schematically, like you know, wall off the paint or or foul ben in, in this instance, right? Like, I think that this Hawk series was like an anomaly in how bad it was, but yeah. it shouldn't distract from the fact that he has just been worse in general in the playoffs. And he was, he was worse, far worse this season than last season, like much worse. Like,
0: Well, and what makes this also crazy is that it's all rooted in a refusal to do something, you know, like that's, the the crazy thing about it is that, like, he's such a strange basketball player in, like, the most basic sense that, like, his lack of development and the issues he runs into are almost always circling back around to a refusal to shoot the basketball. Um, You had a point about whether or not you think that Ben was a, what, disappointing draft pick? Is that
2: how you would phrase it? Yeah, I, I think that. It's, it's an interesting debate that maybe, I mean, we can always circle back to this another time, like after a trade, is because it might be really interesting to look at it. Then. Yeah. That but in be general, good. I think that, you know, the, the, basically the debate is, I don't think anyone would say that, you know, even for like, Ben Simmons has kind of been disappointing in that we had high expectations, right? But like, I- ignoring that, right? Like, just like, say for a number one pick, Right in general, if you didn't have all these high expectations that didn't really come to fruition, is he a disappointment as a player? I would say no, right? Like, he's been an all-star a few times, Um, He's still really young. He's clearly, you know, somewhere in the, like, the 25 to 35 range in the league, which isn't, like, a disaster for your first pick. Um, My argument is that he was a disappointed, disappointing pick for the Sixers, in that, Not that they, like, should have taken someone else or that, like, there's, like, other guys better. I don't even, and that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is this is a draft disappointment because no one is making the number one pick saying, I hope we get four really good seasons out of this guy. When you use the number one pick in the draft, you're hoping to get, like, 10, 15 seasons. Mm -hmm. And we didn't. And And, you know, the exception would be, like, if you know somehow he was like a key piece on a team that went super deep in the playoffs and then suddenly happened and we lost him, but it's like, Oh, at least we were like really contending during his time here, which also didn't happen, which isn't even to say it's his fault, but like the, the idea that it's not a disappointment to draft a guy you only get four seasons out of with the number one pick as good as those seasons were. They were, I mean, especially as early seasons were like incredibly good for someone that young and, um, I don't see how that's not a disappointment. Um, and, you know, you could debate, especially, you know, if you're, if you trade him for Harden a year ago, then of course it's not a disappointment because you got James Harden and you traded him on your own terms. But now that we're at the fact, we're at the point where the number one overall pick after only playing four seasons for us is holding out, demanding a trade. And according to all reports, his value is at an all time low, and we're <laughs> going to be trading him at a, at a low. That's just a draft. At point, that's not what you want from your, from the first overall pick. It's, and it's, it's not about him as a player. I don't think he's a disappointment as a player for the number one pick. He's a disappointing draft pick from a Sixers perspective. That's where I'm at. You guys can disagree if you want. Emily, I, I do what do you think? think that because of how few years we got, it's disappointing. What do you think,
1: Emily? Um, I agree. And then, like, I disagree because I think – Being, you know, a Philadelphia fan, anything that doesn't culminate in a title is kind of disappointing at this point. Like we're, we have, you know, on paper for the past three years, there's been Magazine covers and is this the year? And you know, the Sixers just have to put the pieces together, and the Sixers never put the pieces together. Like, I would say that Markel Fultz was a more disappointing number one draft pick because it happened later and he was gone early.
2: I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> um,
1: and w- chances are we're going to get less in return for Markel than we will for Ben. Um, so like, this isn't the first time this has happened to the Sixers, and it kind of goes back to like when I was not off the Ben train completely like you want these guys that you draft and you bring up in your system and they're your guys you want them to turn out well so when that doesn't happen it sucks and it's just disappointing in general and that has almost nothing to do with Ben's play more than you just want to see the guys that you grow here and that have been here do well and want to be here and I think that is almost for me more painful it's like i want people to want to play here i i love it here i love this team and i don't know why everyone doesn't want to play here
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i think we're definitely going to talk more about this when for the love of god the trade <laughs> happens um but i yeah because i think on face value when people hear statements like that they're like he's not a bust." like you're making him sound he's, like not, he's a bust. not a bus he's
2: not a disappointing player
0: Not the argument. So I think that's the distinction. Um, There's no doubt, I think, that if the Sixers at the time were told this is how it's going to end, they would be disappointed because it's ending in the worst way. And again, like I said before, it's ending this way because he has refused to develop in a few very basic and like possible ways. But yeah, and, and, and like Emily just said, like him clearly wanting to leave, At this point, it sucks, you know, you draft a guy that high and part of it is supposed to be that, okay, we've got him for eight years as his best player in the draft, like, you know, it's it's a bummer. Speaking of bummer, no more Ben talk, uh, I think, unless somebody tweeted us about it. Uh, We are going to, uh, we're going to have a break here. This is going to be an ad break. And then after the break, we're going to talk about your tweet that you sent us to talk about. And then we're going to talk about the Eagles. So here's the break. What a break. Dan, do you have the tweets at the ready right now or should we vamp?
2: No, so I, I haven't pulled up. Um, there's just a few. Um, basically, uh, we asked on Twitter uh, who we should have on as uh, future podcast guests. We got some good suggestions. Yeah. Uh, someone said they have some hot takes. So I said, send us your hot takes, we'll talk about them. Um, so this person sent us three. And someone else sent us one we can run through them see what you think uh we'll start with the person who sent one i guess so this is from at tk76 underscore on twitter um maxi is great but he is a scoring guard and his lack of point guard skills is going to hold the team back this year in the absence of ben or another legit starter level point guard the team will need to pair him with another higher level creator for the team to function smooth.
0: Emily, your reaction.
1: Um, I mean, I think it's kind of, I don't disagree, but I think it's partly because Maxi's young. I think he could develop into that, but like we've, we've seen that, like that's the kind of player the Sixers have wanted, like a, like a high level scoring guard. Um, I wouldn't say that there's no way that Maxi ever becomes that, but he's like night 20. He's like a baby. So like, give him some time, but I don't, I don't disagree with the take.
0: I, yeah, I, I, I have like a sort of inherent belief in Maxi at this point. I think summer league was great. And I just, the flashes we saw last year were really great. I don't, yeah, I don't think that this person is wrong. I, I I'll, when you know, when he said that his deficiencies uh, as a point guard would like hinder the Sixers. I w- would think the exact same thing about Ben. So I'd rather have a new set of them. Um, and I think Maxi's upside is high. I do think that what the Sixers are light on certainly is like perimeter creation, but I'm excited to see Maxi get a shot. Uh, Cause I think it could be really good.
2: Yeah. I in general agree with this statement. I do think that Maxie, you know, has gotten better pretty quickly. Um, I think a big reason the Sixers, you know, generally have been worse when Ben is not playing is because they don't have another player on the team who can pass the ball at a high level. Um, It's not that Ben is like, Ben is a very good passer. Don't get me wrong. Ben is a very good passer. But I think because of how weird this team has always been built, we kind of overrate that a bit. Like, I don't, I, I think that that impact can be overrated because there's no one else who passes at all. Like there, there's no one on this team who can do that Shake doesn't do it that well. Massey hasn't really done it. And I don't even know what George Hill was doing this year. So there's only like, I agree that the Sixers need just like normal point guards. They do. I don't think they have it right now, but I also don't think that this roster is anywhere close to being what it will be, you know, uh, maybe not for the start of the season. I don't know when the bench is going to happen, but that's, you know, we're going to be getting a huge piece back or a couple of really important pieces. Um, so I don't think we're anywhere close to what this, this team would look like. I agree that if you go into the season where Ben is holding out and you haven't made a trade, then yeah, uh, Maxi isn't very good at some of the things that Ben does well. And the Sixers don't really have anyone else to do it. But like you're talking about like a player you can get on the MLE that the Sixers just happen to not have. Like this isn't like when we were talking about like, oh, we need Harden and like no one has that skill set except for like three players in the league right like this isn't some like you know hard to come across thing like you know elite perimeter creation or elite three level creation like this is a pretty normal thing that the Sixers have just never had there are teams with like two guys that do this like like a starter (laughs) and a bench player that like play every night and do this full time and the Sixers have only had Ben to do this for a long time I don't think that that should Mean that it's super hard to find, and I think that that'll be a priority to find, especially with Ben not there at all. Um, so I agree that like that would be a weakness. I just think that that can be addressed. Um, and our next few are from Ash Kweng. I hope I'm saying that right. A S H K W E N G on Twitter. Um, so kind of a Ben one, but not really. It's about trades. Oh um, a Buddy Hield, Davion Mitchell and picks trade is the best trade for the win now Sixers. Healed is an elite shooter on a team friendly contract. Davion Mitchell is an elite on ball defender with all defense upside and shot damn near 45% from beyond the arc. Let me say this now, um, really don't want Buddy healed. Um, If we get a ton of picks, I would do almost anything for a ton of picks if we're keeping ourselves in position for a star uh n- not interested in Buddy Heald unless you're getting like Fox or Halliburton uh I don't think I unless the, there's like really a ton of picks I don't think I would want Heald and, and Mitchell but you guys can tell me what you think
0: yeah I he's uh, the thing the only thing that he does well he does really well and would be really really helpful next to Embiid but he's just so bad at the other things that I he can't be the center of the Ben trade I would take him especially for salary if you're getting Halliburton or something and the picks would help but I would not be excited about him as a centerpiece in a bench rate yeah
1: um I agree I wouldn't be excited with him as a centerpiece but that being said I was like obsessed with Buddy Heald when they made that run in the tournament in in the NCAA tournament I was like loved Buddy Heald so I would I would like to have him as a sixer for that piece just because I think he seems like a nice guy. Um I don't watch a lot of Sacramento Kings games though, so I can't really even comment that much on his like current development because I tend to not watch the Kings very often. <laughs>
2: what else right. we got? Here's our last one. This is from the same person as our last one. We have TJ McConnell is overrated. He's a spunky player that can create turnovers, but he has no real impact as a scorer or distributor on the offensive end the amount of times i've seen tj get to the rim then kick to the corner for an empty possession is egregious ben did the exact same thing in the playoffs last year and is getting heckled for it give tj that same energy um if tj would be happy to have that
1: same energy if tj got the paycheck that ben simmons got i'll say that right now
2: yeah i these are just very i mean the fact that you can compare ben to tj at all offensively is like pretty enormous indictment of Ben. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone is, I mean, TJ, I guess is somewhat a shooter in that he'll like get to the, like run around the back of the basket and like shoot from the baseline or like hook <laughs> over to that, to the elbow and shoot. But I kind of like, I, I just, I, I think that like, I don't know if like the purpose of this tweet is to like, I'm assuming it's to like, you know, put down TJ a bit, which like fine. Um, yeah i don't think any like i don't even know what to say like
0: tj 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 caught a stray here on the like
2: tj tj is just obviously first of all worse than ben right like goes without saying and like i guess he's maybe he's overrated but like to say he's overrated and then compare him to ben is almost like a i mean it almost seems to build him up to compare him to ben i don't know ben's clearly a better player but like and, and the thing so is who's overrating ben, TJ? Who, no, like Ben is, is
0: House of Highlights posting TJ Highlight. Like who's who's overrating
2: ben, TJ? Ben doesn't have a TJ role or a TJ salary. <laughs> like, like, Ben is the is the lead initiator on like a contending team. Like no one is mistaking TJ for that. TJ is like a, I guess he started a bit this year, but like in I think anyone's mind, he's like an off-the-bench like hustle for energy like guy. Yeah, yeah. He's like, like
1: our Maxi. That's what Maxi did. He was like come <laughs> off the bench and like get people going. Like that was what TJ does.
2: TJ is like basically not, like he had a good year, right? But like he's basically the steal the inbounds pass guy. And so for like to compare his offensive output to Ben is just making me more mad at Ben. Like this is <laughs> this you shouldn't now be. Now we're happy. back going to do like if if Ben was playing how he played and passing up those layups and missing those foul shots, but was making like 8 million a year, I'd be able to stomach it a lot more. Like, I'd be like, wow, he really played bad, but it wouldn't be like one of our stars, like completely let us down. We'd have a whole extra star on the team because we'd have a lot more cap space. So like, I I don't know. I just think that they can't be criticized for the same thing because they're just very different and take on very different roles and, that I don't know. I don't like, I, I struggle with that one to be honest. I do.
0: Those were fun. Thank but you it, for hey, sending those it's books. a,
2: I respect, I will say this. I, first of all, thank you for sending it. And second of all, he did say hot, he did say hot take. So you don't have to agree with everyone's hot take, right? They're hot takes for a reason. I don't mm-hmm. think he's implying that everyone should be believing this. I think this is, you know, this is truly a hot take. And I respect a lot of people say hot take and say something everyone agree with. So right. I respect that he said hot take and went with the hot take. So thank oh, you. I, respect, I, I do. I respect it. I respect it.
0: We welcome it. We started these off with some scorchers. We had the stuff about the shampoo and the hair. It was a big take podcast. Um, a lot of people are probably at home thinking this fucking idiot forgot to tell Emily to tell the story about the bark in the park. Well, guess what? no I didn't Check Chekhov's gun very similar situation Emily please now take the floor tell us about Bark in the Park at Citizens Bank Park
1: I think people are gonna think that there is like a very exciting story about my time at Bark in the Park <laughs> and there isn't. it's literally like we took Luna our dog to the Phillies game for Bark in the Park it's gonna um, be the
0: title of the episode Emily goes to Bark in the Park
1: and oh and oh something wild happens like you ever see those like facebook ads like you'll never believe what happens next in this video like that's this but you will never
2: believe number six
1: yeah exactly (laughs) and then like you get to five and number six is like a virus on your computer (laughs) um but yeah we went to Bark in the park we got on the jumbotron um luna had a helmet sunday which she really enjoyed wow um We almost got a picture with the fanatic, but there were a lot of other dogs around and Luna was more interested in the other dogs than the fanatic. This is her second trip to bark in the park, and we thought she was going to be really bad. Um, But we just think that she realized that it was a really special occasion that she didn't want to screw up her chances of getting to go again. So she was really well behaved. Um, She ate a lot of French fries and probably gained like 12 pounds. (laughs) And we stayed the whole game and she was a, a real angel and the Phillies blew a lead shocking while we were there. It was, you know, two outs, two strikes, just one more pitch. Let's go. You got it. And I think it was Thursday home run next pitch home run. (laughs) Phillies lose it was miserable and all the the people were booing and then the dogs were barking and like booing. And that was really great. I was like, this is, this is Philadelphia right here. That's
2: amazing. Well, you're going to want to play here because the dogs bark when they play that they want, it's not enough support. (laughs) Finally. um,
0: We're all wearing green attire right now. The Eagles played today. uh, First game of the Nick Sirianni era. Jalen Hurts. they killed it they were great they won I think 32 31 or 32 to 6 I loved it I had a great time watching them and I am uh very excited you know I was I felt excited about the season just not that they're going to win the Super Bowl but just that there's a lot of young fun guys on the team right now that I'm excited to watch so this was a lot of fun Emily what did you think of the Birds game
1: yeah. The game was really fun. I saw something on Twitter and I didn't fact check it, but like the Eagles didn't score more than 30 points at any time in last season. Um, and they did today. So that was fun. Wow. Uh, um, it was really fun to see Devonte Smith get in the end zone and like really make an impact on the game. I'll have to say in classic, uh, my dad fashion when Jalen hurt <laughs> missed Zach arts on that, like play early in the game, I got a hurt sucks text message. So that's classic. Great. My dad first mistake he's done with them (laughs) he wants like Gardner Minshew and I don't know what he wants but he probably came around by the end I gotta go birds at the end of the game so he came around um but yeah it was a fun game uh it just the the Eagles really just like had their foot on the pedal and kind of steamrolled the whole way there was really no drama to it very much they just kind of took it and ran and I was great
0: um, quickly, I'll give you, I didn't watch the game with my, uh, parents. I'm in New York, uh, they live in Philly. Um, but, and my dad doesn't know how to text, but if he was with me, whenever there is a penalty that the Eagles that's called on the Eagles, he'll go, that's coaching. That's great. I love it. I, everyone. That's coaching. It's great. <laughs> Dan, uh, what, what did you think of the Eagles game today?
2: Yeah. You know, coming in, I was definitely pretty excited. I think, you know, Brandon Lee Gautin on our pod got me excited saying he believes in the team. You know, last year was awful, 4'11 and one, really hard to watch. Um, and then, you know, I was, I didn't really know how to feel about Jalen Hurts coming in. I thought that he had some moments last year, but also, you know, there were times his arm just didn't look, you know, like a, like a top half NFL talent. Like maybe, you know, a guy who can be, you know, starter level but not high-end starter level like you need to win um but i thought he was super impress- impressive today like obviously it was just the falcons who are awful but you know he just he made plays he, he made good throws and he he didn't get sacked eight times like carson does every time um <laughs> i'm all in now i i see no reason not to be all in um jalen first of all really handsome guy um very he's Cooper. a lot he's fun to watch he's he's a fun quarterback he played he's great. got
0: quite a body on him, too, if I can just gastroize <laughs> the jar. He, he, I'm just saying, he's got it all put together.
2: Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's definitely, he, he looked great. He was fun to watch. A lot of the young you know, receivers looked really good. Mylata looked good. Uh, the defense looked a little shaky at the beginning, but didn't break, and then was phenomenal the rest of the game. Um, I'm pretty sure we're winning the Super Bowl because it's all coming together. And hurts is hurts is the real deal. Love it. Let's do it. Great.
0: Um, Eagles are one zero. Uh, ben Simmons is still a sixer. Um, this is it. We've we've gotten to the end of the podcast. Uh, I have to say, I don't know where you're listening to this right now. You're either listening to this on our new feed, the Guest Room Treadless Blues, or you're listening to this on the Liberty Baller feed. Whichever one you're listening on, oh, we appreciate it. I do want to say from us, thank you so much to the people who listened to our first exclusive episode on the other feed. We really appreciate it. It's incredibly cool that you guys listen and, and came over with us there. And so subscribe to that feed. We're going to have more, more shows coming up. We'll do a midweek one every week. And, and anytime anything happens that warrants an emergency podcast, we'll do one there. Um, this week, we're going to talk to Alonzo Jones of Twitter, uh, of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. fame. He write the newsletter for them. Uh, tweets by Zoe. Uh, we love him and, and he'll be a really fun guest. So we're going to talk to him on Wednesday um if you are down on your luck and for some reason want to intern for this podcast please reach out to us we'd love to talk about it um and i think that is it does anybody else have anything to say here you guys
2: i'm proud of us for talking that long when nothing happened
0: unbelievable unbelievable emily
1: um if anyone i've recently gotten into formula one So if anyone wants to tweet about Formula One with me, I would really like it because I'm the only person I know who watches Formula One and I (laughs) would like to talk about it with someone.
0: And where can they tweet at you to do that?
1: Um, At third and girl with underscores on both sides of the and.
0: See, I love it. Oh, we have to talk about you and Zoe both have like sort of pun centric Twitter handles that we'll have to talk about.
1: Do you just mean they have underscores in them?
2: No, I don't. (laughs)
1: he meant that it's not your name oh it's not my name well zo is like well when you said his, his, his full name, name i never i was like who and then i was like, oh yeah i know okay.
0: but his i think is a beats by dre reference i think that uh, i heard him say that once Then tweets by zo
1: that's good mine isn't that clever
0: we'll find out we're gonna have the exclusive on wednesday There we go. um good seeing you guys go birds um Trade they Benson. should have put us in
1: the eagles hype video or whatever with the go birds one we could have just been like go birds It would have been great
0: right we could have been at that cafe with the barista
1: i decided i figured out what it, what it was too what do you mean it's cafe lift in uh spring garden that's where they filmed it. oh
2: i've been there it's that's like delight. that's like two two blocks maybe less from me
1: yeah. They
0: have a great lemon ricotta pancake.
1: They do right have now. a great lemon ricotta pancake. It's a delightful brunch spot.
2: They have a love a, 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 a cheesesteak, egg and cheese on a pretzel bun thing. Delicious. Oh, my. own! wow.
1: Next right. time we're all together, we'll go to Cafe Lift.
2: Perfect.
0: I'm super down. I'll come whenever you guys are ready. All right. Be safe. Be great. Uh, we love you. Goodbye. See ya. Bye.